Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I seek to provide biblical and faith-based messages to help us navigate the challenging and sometimes treacherous waters of life. I speak from a Christian perspective, but I hope that you may find some value here, no matter how you chart your course. Are you happy? What does it mean to be happy? Happiness, after all, is one of the three unalienable rights proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson wrote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed with their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. While the pursuit of happiness may be an unalienable right, it's not necessarily easily obtained. A friend of mine who is in recovery from alcohol and drug abuse recently asked me to pray the serenity prayer with him. Reading off a sheet that he held in front of me, I prayed with him. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as he did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I will surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and ever in the next. Amen. The Serenity Prayer was originally written by German-American pastor and theologian Reinhold Niebuhr in the 1930s. He wrote the prayer to help people deal with difficult times and especially the anxiety and fear relating to the growing threat of fascism arising in pre-war Germany. Later, the prayer was picked up by Alcoholics Anonymous as part of their 12-step recovery program. Now, I'd prayed and read this prayer many times before, but on this day, sitting beside my struggling friend, two words literally leapt off the page at at me. Reasonably, happy. I felt great power in this modest request. Most of us have much higher expectation. Our goal is to experience joy and happiness in everything that we do. We may not be there yet, but we think if we have the right job, the right relationship, and lots of stuff, we will be totally happy and fulfilled. Niebuhr's prayer reserves that eternal ecstasy and fulfillment for our heavenly future. I know that on that day, my friend in crisis would gladly have settled for reasonable happiness. So would I, I decided. As it turns out, Many of us may be falling short of that modest goal of reasonable happiness. In particular, 
it seems like growing numbers of young people describe themselves as downright unhappy. I based that assertion on the observations of Yale professor Lori Santos, who in 2018 began teaching a class that she named Psychology and the Good Life. The first year she offered the course, nearly one-fourth of the Yale student body enrolled. She'd stumbled onto the fact that an amazing proportion of these young, high-achieving students, the people we would assume who have it made, who have it all, were not leading fulfilling lives. Reasonable happiness was lacking for them. Santos went on to launch a podcast series, The Happiness Lab, which has been downloaded more than 64 million times. Apparently, not only Yale students are searching for happier lives. Santos claims that the root of our unhappiness may lie in some common misunderstandings about what makes us happy. She writes, Our minds lie to us. We have strong intuitions about the things that will make us happy, and we use those intuitions to go after that stuff, whether it's more money or changing circumstances or buying the new iPhone. But a lot of those intuitions, the science shows, are not exactly right or are deeply misguided. That's why we get it wrong. I know this stuff, but my instincts are totally wrong. Now, one of the common lies that our minds tell us is that money and things will make us happy. Now, that's not an original insight. It's illustrated beautifully in Mark's story of Jesus' encounter with the rich man seeking eternal life. We read, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Well, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man declared, all these things I have done since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This is the gospel. This man wanted more than reasonable happiness. He wanted it all. He wanted the unlimited happiness and joy of eternal life, which God promises us. And he wanted it now. Jesus saw the flaw in his thinking. It's not the way that life works. Life is complicated. Life is a struggle. Life is messy. Whatever may provide happiness and fulfillment in life, it's not money and materials or possessions. In fact, money can be a downright curse. 
Remember, Jesus used the parable, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, it turns out that's not totally true. Money can make us happy to a certain extent. Research shows that the happiness sweet spot in America is about 60000 to $90,000 per year. Less than that, we may not be able to feel secure in providing for our basic needs and some of the pleasures that most people in our culture reasonably expect. If we make more than $90,000 a year, we're not going to be any happier than if we make 60000 In fact, our happiness coefficient begins to decrease past $90,000. That may be due in part to how hard we have to work to make that much money and the anxiety about whether we can maintain it. The more we make, the harder it becomes to thread the eye of that happiness needle. Our consumer culture continues to propagate that lie, though. The lie that stuff can make us happy. It's not only wealth that can fail to make us happy. So can the search for the perfect job or success in business in our profession. That the right job or success can make us happy is another lie that's told to us by our minds and also by our culture. We are bombarded by every sort of media ad promoting training programs and job search services, pushing the lie that if we just had the right job or the right position, that we will be eternally happy. Like with material riches, research shows that people do experience happiness when they land a new job that they've been seeking. But that sense of happiness and satisfaction is short-lived, and soon their happiness returns to its prior level. One more seductive promise of happiness is comfort or security. If I had a dollar for each time someone said to me about their expectations for retirement, I just want to be comfortable, I'd be a rich man. Well, just as well, that wouldn't make me any happier. But even comfort can detract from our happiness. When we base our lives around comfort and security, we sacrifice purpose and meaning in our lives. Take sports as an example. Athletic training requires discomfort, sometimes intense discomfort and pain. Or athletes don't grow. If we seek only security, we would be hobbled in making moral decisions and taking unpopular positions on important issues. We'd give up some of the purpose in our life. And comfort does not equal happiness. Although I have to admit, as I get older, taking a nap on my comfortable couch is more and more satisfying. Anyway, so much for the things that don't make us happy. What can help us reach that reasonably happy goal of the serenity prayer? About 10 years ago, I spent a couple of weeks in Bhutan, an isolated country at the top of the world in the Himalayas. Bhutan was in the news at the time because they'd replace measuring the country's gross domestic product, GDP, with gross domestic happiness, GDH. The parliament and monarch reasoned that the success of their governance could be quantified 
according to the level of satisfaction or happiness of their people. The Putinese were dubbed by the media the happiness people, happiest people on earth. For what I experienced in Bhutan, I can't disagree. Despite living in a challenging and harsh physical environment, the people I met seemed happy, at least reasonably so. In order to measure the happiness of the people, nine domains or areas of life are surveyed in Bhutan. The nine domains are, number one, psychological well-being. It explores how people experience the quality of their lives. It includes spirituality, evaluations of life satisfaction, and effective reactions to life events, such as positive and negative emotions. Number two, health. Includes conditions of the human body and mind, including physical and mental states. A healthy quality of life allows us to get through our daily activities without undue fatigue or physical stress. Number three, time use. Analyzes the nature of time spent on activities like work, leisure, care, sleep, and highlights the importance of maintaining a harmonious work life in balance. Number four, education. Includes formal and informal education and assesses each person's wider knowledge, values, and skills. Number five, cultural diversity and resilience. Shows the diversity and strength of traditions, including festivals, norms, and creative arts. Six, community vitality. Studies relationships and interactions within communities and among family and friends. It also covers practices like volunteering. Number seven, good governments. Governance. Evaluates how people perceive governmental functions and evaluate public service delivery. It explores people's level of participation in elections and government decisions and their assessment of various rights and freedoms. Number eight, ecological diversity and resilience. Tracks people's perceptions and evaluations of environmental conditions in their neighborhood and their eco-friendly behaviors. It also covers hazards like fires or earthquakes. And finally, living standards. This domain refers to the level of material comfort as measured by income, conditions of financial security, housing, and asset ownership. Since 2006, when the GNH in Bhutan began to be tracked, the nation's happiness quotient has shown a steady increase. Well, so too has the GDP increased. It will be interesting to see if the correlation continues as the modern world encroaches on the previously isolated land and how effective the information derived from the GNH in Bhutan will be at enhancing the happiness of the people. But the greatest takeaway, the greatest insight from the Bhutan experiment, is that human happiness is not one thing. It is composed of many different elements. And if we can think we can be happy by changing one thing, again, we're lying to ourselves. The value in this knowledge is that happiness will best be achieved by living a balanced life. Life is messy. 
One year, I may experience financial growth and be really satisfied with my work. But at the same time, I may suffer a serious health crisis and there may be great social upheaval or war around me. Knowing this, this awareness will help me be reasonably happy by balancing my expectations in life and acting accordingly. Cultivating a robust spiritual and religious life will help us address the pillars of our happiness. Religious practices aim at enhancing meaning, authenticity, optimism, gratitude, compassion, and generosity, which all contribute to overall happiness, which is our goal. Prayer, meditation, reading scripture, worship, participating in a faith community will all make us happier. This Lenten season is a good time for us to focus on what a fulfilling life looks like. Lent is a time of introspection for spiritual growth. It's a time for us to, as Jesus said, collect for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither rust nor moth destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And might I add, there will our happiness be also. Thank you for joining me today. May God grant you the serenity to accept the things you cannot change, courage to change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That you may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and ever in the next. Amen.